GW Smoke Break, you know what I'm saying? Having the time of our lives out here at the Emerald Cup 2019, the two-day extravaganza. You can't experience this shit nowhere else except Northern California. So yo, I gotta give a shout out to our series sponsors, Country Club Cannabis, Redwood Roots Family. It's a beautiful day to be alive right now. So yo, I just wanna share with you that I'm hella excited for these interviews from the cats at Humble Generations, the cats over at uh, Canada Country Farms, and the list goes on. And on Sunday, man, the heavyweight lineup, cats like Mean Gene, Fabian, Frenchie Cannoli, Eddie Lepp, guys who defined themselves before weed became legal. And that's really what this Emerald Cup is all about. The guys and gals who host this event, who created this event, also existed before weed was legal. And so you really have to love something to stick to it, no matter what the odds. Putting yourself in harm's way on a daily basis, because it conditioning yourself for that. So yo, that ain't no easy task. And all you guys that are out here competing with us, you're gonna learn what it means to love the plan and honor the goddess. And I just wanna say thank you to all you cats from the Triangle and throughout California for your example. It's what the world wants, man. Some real love in this world instead of this fucking fake-ass bullshit we see in mainstream culture. So yo, this is gonna be an exhibition of California cannabis culture at its finest. So come on, you know what I'm saying? Come join us this weekend. We're gonna do it. Yo, Daniel Montero, back GW Smoke Break. I can't believe what's happening. It's like doing these interviews, Sean, it's a trip, dude. It's always like, uh, like I couldn't have imagined it before. And I'm grateful to be here with you, bro. We're yeah, here at the, too, man. We're here at the Emerald Cup. It's exciting, it's cracking, it's going down. A beautiful expression of what real cannabis culture is all about, in my opinion, that it, you could call that the love for the plant. And I'm here with Sean Stamp, who's a second generation Humboldt ganja cultivator, what I like to coin a marijuana marine. And yeah, buddy. we're gonna get to uh, know Sean a little bit better uh, during this interview and his story with cannabis, because again, uh, he's a rare cat that was born into something that no longer is. All you guys that are jumping into the legal game now, that's dope and I wish you a lot of success. But this background, this cultural sovereignty that exists in the Emerald Triangle and across California and in pockets around the world is something that money can't buy. So, uh, Sean, without further ado, Soham Royal is your brand. Yep, this is it right here, people. Soham Royal is a legacy brand. You know, we've been doing this since before it was cool. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of more than just growing weed. It's a way of life out where I live. And literally grew up rolling in piles of weed, you know, as a little guy and family was all part of the game and, and it gave us opportunities to have other, you know, other things in our lives, you know, besides just being, being people and yeah. Yeah, it's cool that you jumped right into it. So what were your earliest memories uh, with cannabis out in Honeydew? Yep, um, I'd say probably one of my earliest memories was like, I went to school and told everybody, like, my dad grows something in his greenhouse and I know it's not tomatoes. <laughs> and uh, my mom was a school teacher, so she was like, holy shit, he's talking about what we do. And nobody talked about it back then. It was, uh, you How know, old you? I was probably like seven years old, six, seven years old. Actually, I had to be younger. I had to be more like four because my parents were still together. So, yeah. Um, were your parents angry with you? Yeah, I got in trouble, you know, I, it was like, you can't talk about that. Mommy's a teacher, she has this, and it, it was when I kind of learned that what we did at home was separate from, like, 
the rest of society pretty much. And it was kind of like, it was the start of living a double life for the rest of my time until a couple years ago when shit became legal. And now it's like, boom, here we are getting ready to smoke some weed on TV. <laughs> and you're a you rare know. breed to be able to make that transition because it's something that many of us in the community want, but it's very difficult to achieve. Yeah. Um, do you mind if we, if, instead of doing fast forward, if we can take our time with covering totally. your story from, from a youngster man? So you're around the plant, you know, you're yeah. aware of it. Did you start to help out in the garden as a kid? Fully, yeah. I mean, I think that we used to go on these walks and there were these trails that led down into the woods. And, I'd be like, I want to go down there. And my mom would say, no, we can't. Certain age, I think I was 11, she said, yeah, cruise on down. We're going to go check this out. And I was like, okay, what's down there? It was all our plants tucked into hillsides and creek beds, camouflaged in because choppers were flying around and literally taking our fucking livelihoods from us. So um, I started by tending to the emitters, checking them, carrying chicken shit out into the woods, you know, and learning these plants. and. I got like, I think I got like a couple hundred bucks and I was like, man, that was like a nice bonus. And the next, the next year I was like, I want my own plant. And I'd put in all the work and I got my own one plant. And then from there I got six plants the next year. And from there I got a whole patch because I put in the patch. I put in buried water line fucking miles through the woods with a pick and a shovel, you know? A 14 year old kid doing that shit. All by yourself or with your boys? No, with myself. My stepdad was like, it needs to go from here to here. Lone Wolf Do says. <laughs> yeah. And, and let me ask you something. Uh, when you when you uh, spoke to your classmates about cannabis and your parents were doing it, because I'm sure that's a, you, you, you mentioned it first right off the bat, I'm sure you were always hush-hush or, or even with your own friends, would you guys talk about it? The rule became silence is golden. And you know, like, just don't talk about it. You don't need to talk about it, but everybody's parents were doing it. You know, there might have been one or two families in my whole school that their parents weren't doing it. Because in, in Honeydew, it's like there weren't a lot of opportunities for work. It's like people were moving back to the land, living from the land, growing vegetable gardens, going to cabarets, having community events, you know, chilling at the river, eating watermelon, and growing weed, and keeping the bills paid and trying to provide opportunities for their families to be able to like be more than you know they were so you know I did that I also went to college I went off and got my degree in mechanical engineering at Cal Poly and like chose to come home and build up the farm because I was like that's where my heart is I like working outside I love growing this plant and seeing all the surprises that it shows me you know so growing up with your friends would you guys talk about it amongst each other oh yeah dude okay, for okay. sure we were, we were snatching little buds here and there and being like, okay, let's burn, let's meet over here this time, you know, mostly and around community events and stuff. You know, it's a question I like to ask, and you don't have to name the person, because it's uh, it's uh, third time now that the, the person says that I'm interviewing, I'd rather not name the person, but is there a certain uh, leader when you were a kid, a person you looked up to, uh, I'm sure members in your family, uh, but wh who would that be that you think deserves recognition? Yeah, I mean, I'd say definitely my dad. I was He was like always my hero and just watching him and seeing what he brought in and just how stoked he got about the plant. That, that is something I'll never forget and like how proud he was of the stuff that he grew. Um, and then, you know, I'd, I'd say, yeah, like the kingpin of my valley probably. I won't mention his name, but like those figures that took care of the rest of the community and kind of ushered them through when they were struggling, like you need to sell five pounds, you go talk to this dude. 
you know, and he held it down and made it so everybody could benefit from it, help sell everybody's stuff, you know, and kind of just kept kept the bills paid for the people so they could keep doing what they love. So, so shout out to that man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> keep into the valley, dude. So you're you're 14, man. Your patch is growing, yeah. and and shit, you're at least you're twice as old now, right? Yeah, I'm 34, so. Yeah, dude, so. More than twice. How, how was it, so you were going to school full time, you had to put the hustle to the side? Yeah, when I went to school, I'd come home and work in the summer, you know, when I, well, I went to Arcata High School, so I boarded for high school, and I worked every weekend. So I'd come home from, you know, working at school all week and work on my farm and then go back and, Damn. That was that, and then uh, when I went to college, it was like I had a choice to play football, and I, you know, I could have done that. I would have had to walk on and work my ass off, but it was there. And instead, I would have to start school way later, so I would have missed the whole growing some part of summer. So instead, I, I was like, nah, I'm gonna help put myself through school by growing some more weed and, and keeping it going. And so I went home and would bust out, and then I'd leave it to my mom and uh, my stepdad to handle while I was back at school. And since I'd started doing so much of it and it got bigger, you know, as we grew, you know, we used to only need to grow like 100 plants, 60 plants out in the woods. And now, you know, 40, 50 pounds was like killing it. And now it's like, we gotta grow 500 pounds. We gotta grow 1,000 pounds. We gotta keep all these greenhouses. It's gotta test like this. So it was the beginning of that. And so like in that transition, it's like my family didn't know how to grow like that. I did. So they had to take over and then they were like struggling, having crop failures while I was at school. And I'm just like, well, so as it is, I'm busy. <laughs> Dude, we've been smoking some killer dank. And yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift just real quick. And okay. then I want to go back to where we're at. What, what, do, what do you, of all the strains that you grew, you're excited about this one in particular? I am excited about this one in particular. This is uh, the Lucy Lavender. Um, it was it was made by crossing purple train wreck into forum Girl Scout cookie and I've pheno hunted it and came out with this one this is the number 10 and it's just super juicy and chunky and the smell is like grape soda mixed with like I don't know vanilla sweet vanilla taste kind of wow man grape vanilla something like that so I'm just trying to understand too um, you're going to school lemon that, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And whenever you feel like you're ready to burn it, you yeah, know. Yeah, I want to spark it, man. You know, I've been holding it this whole time. Yo, so I know. It goes down it, that way sometimes. I honestly, yeah. I just use that as a, 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 a distraction to get my mind back together, dude. For sure, for but sure. But I, I, I was just thinking, you know, you're going to school, you're tending to your patch farm. Um, how did that develop into what you're doing now, man? I mean, uh, I'm sure somebody in the community took the lead in going legal. So I was one of those leaders. Me and Tof were both a couple of those leaders. And um, hold on. Yeah, taste that. So um, basically, yeah, it was like this. There was a, a seed event in Humboldt going on. And it was one of the first things at the Matil where like people were freely trading seeds and stuff. So I went to that and this girl was like, uh, it was actually Tara Carver who's like, you know, running HCG. HCGA, yeah. So she was like, I want you to be the brand ambassador, or not brand, the, the ambassador of like the Matol Valley. Like you're smart, you're, you're a grower, you, 
you have influence out there, like you need to go talk to people and like start letting them know that shit's changing. And uh, I'd gone to Colorado and seen some of that too. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> awesome, dude. Tasty. Hella tasty. It's a great pot, dude. Full flavor. Full throttle. Yeah, buddy. I smoked some shit and I didn't choke up like I just did right now. <laughs> you took a fat rip. <laughs> I take little puffs and just breathe in deep. <coughs> it's a bad habit of mine sometimes. Nah, it's good, man. You gotta feel the full fucking open up, you know? We were talking about Tara Carver, excuse me, and she wants to put you in a position as ambassador of the Batol Valley? To the Batol Valley. For the changing tide of legalization. So I went out there and started, you know, talking to people and a few of us came together. We had a big meeting at our local Grange and uh, had like 150 people come out, which like doesn't happen for nothing, you know, and these people all wanted to know what was going on and California Cannabis Voice for Humboldt was the organization. And uh, we had a few speakers come out, you know, our supervisor and, and just told people like, it's happening, we need to either step up to the table and get with it or it's gonna get shut down. So like, let's be the example and start leading this shit. What year was this? <clears throat> this was in 2015. Okay, so, four years ago. Yeah. So that was when the game really was changing, you know, and I'd gone to Colorado and seen that, and I was like, oh man, it's gonna happen, it's gonna be like this in Humboldt soon, and it's not gonna be the same as what we're all used to. So um, from there, you know, heads started getting chopped off at CCBH and like literally big busts went down at some of these, the leaders of that organization's properties got raided. What's CCBH, I'm sorry? That was California Cannabis Voice for Humble. And so they started going down and we were just like, oh hell no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going down like that. So I kind of dropped off the radar a little bit from being so public and vocal about it. Um, but the seed had already been planted and then the next step was trying to figure out a way to start a company that could help encompass other people's farms as well as my own. And so that was my original mission with Soham Royal was to be this like uh, brand for my valley. I had everyone come to my house, did a few more meetings, had the DA there, you know, and told them how it was going to go down. A lot of people were really resistant. Like my community isn't about step in with the program it's about you know sticking it to the man it used to be and and, and, sur and surviving on our own because that's what we had to do um, but now it's a different landscape and so with that you know um, my company started off being a collective a cooperative I had like 10 15 farmers in it and then with the passing of prop 64 it kind of shut that down so now everyone kind of went individual and we all just ended up forming our own farm brands and Redwood Roots has been the vehicle that's allowed us to pull back in and be under one heading with all of our farms, you know? So that's what's fucking awesome about us coming together and, and amplifying each other's voices and our supply to be able to compete in this market with the bigger dogs that are jumping in right now. And, you know, but we still got the best weed and we still grow almost the most of it. I mean, these Central Valley, I don't even really count those fucking places. That's oil crops. Exactly. Everything we grow is like, this shit, exactly, so, man. You know. <clears throat> we talk about competing, and one thing that, that these guys can't buy is the clock to turn back time. So I just want to take it back real quick to the culture of sticking it to the man. Yeah. I want you to talk about that for a little bit because it, right. it's fucking something that no longer is, man. And it lives through the spirit in our of our community. 
yeah, it's what all this shit got started with, you know. Um, my dad was definitely a counterculturist. My my mom, you know, they they wanted to get away from the oppression of, of overtaxation and like just people on our backs all the time, you know. So I think all the people in our area in in Southern Humboldt, the majority of them felt that way, and like this plant trying to be held down, telling people it's poison for their brain when it's like the cure for cancer and all of these other ailments that are just so serious and like it's a plant and we can grow it and it fixes that shit. So anyways, um, back to the sticking to the man. Yeah, basically um, it was all about just people doing, providing for themselves and getting to keep what they grew and provided and did. And so they, there was no active out were necessary thing for that. It was just like we were holding that and doing what we did and nobody was gonna stop us. And they tried, they came in with their fucking choppers and you know, every time people would just be replanting, moving their patches, growing in trees. And as they pushed harder, we pushed harder. You know, there was times wow. when going on a hike for me to go to my gardens was literally hiking through the forest two miles over cliffs, near the edge of the cliffs, so that people might fall if they tried to do it. And then climbing like 40 feet up into a tree where there's a basket with an emitter gravity fed from a creek that led to nothing. And that shit was like a big ass plant. Like, you know, a big ass plant was maybe a half pounder in a tree. But we'd hike in that tree and check that plant and feed that plant and it'd be growing out of the top of a tree. You know, because they, they weren't fucking with that. but. They were coming out on strings, dangling from strings, just taking crops. Because then they didn't have to hike on our hard ass trails. Oh, they knew that the plants were growing in the trees? Yep. They, they could see those, but they wouldn't fuck with those because they were too hard. So they would go get cliffside gardens and like hit easier targets. Can you talk about some of the most, or one of the most impressive gardens that you remember back in the day? Like the gorilla grower had it just so tight, just impressive. Because I admire that shit. And I like the idea of the cats that got it so good now that they can still move and wiggle. But there must have been something that was, maybe it was indoor, right? you know? You know, I'd say like, honestly, what I was just talking about was some of the most impressive shit I've ever seen. Because it was like taking the art of gorilla growing to the next level and being like, okay, you're gonna get everything on the ground by stabboing, it was called stabbo. When they'd come in with five guys hanging on ropes and they'd <coughs> drop them right into a patch. They'd fill up a huge net, tie the net up to the chopper, jump guys back in and drive away with everything. So um, to combat that, people started growing in trees and it was some of my best friends, like literally, and their families that kind of invented this method. And yeah, you'd use Legend, gravity, gravity water barrels up in creeks high up and not mess with the creeks either. It was like no water damage or any of this stuff. Cannabis is getting blamed for a lot of stuff with like the timber industry and can you, I'm sorry, could you explain the grab, what that is, gravity water So barrel? yeah, you just gotta get your, your water, a little barrel upstream, uphill, so gravity can push the water downhill, and then you can still be 40 feet up in a tree, but as long as your water source is up here, ah. it's pushing down through a line, so you wrap an emitter line around that tree, and it'll push it all the way up, 40 feet up into a tree, just gravity. Because the elevation of the source exactly. is higher. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a big source, just a little tiny barrel filling off a trickle off of a stream. Wow. And so then it wouldn't lead to your property, it wouldn't lead to anything, you know, it was just in the woods. And uh, yeah, you'd get a garden set up, like a 50 patch like that, with just like half pound plants sticking out of the tops of trees. It's awesome. 
<laughs> you can't you can't even really imagine it. <laughs> it's cool, man. I mean, uh, I definitely the way you described it, I can kind of imagine it. Um, I'm thinking um, when people say outlaw cannabis culture, uh, were there outlaws in the community back in the day? I mean, everybody was an outlaw because you're living outside of the law. You're doing something they're telling you not to. So, you know, there are definitely some people with more of that renegade attitude and, you know, running around trying to be that. But really, it's more about community-oriented, like just people sticking up for each other and, and, and holding the line. It wasn't about being a crazy outlaw. It was just about doing what we love to do. How, how did that experience... Protecting it, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> and how did that experience help shape you as a leader now in the regulated industry and was so hum royal? You know, I think it was everything because it shaped my views of the world and um, having to do that. And so it really made me, when the opportunity came where we didn't have to hide in the shadows anymore, that was like, cool, I can fucking tell my fiance's family what I do. And they're not going to like be like, oh, He's a weed grower. It's like, oh, he's carrying cancer. Oh, he's like awesome. He's providing for his family. So the change from those, you know, that, that, that's what's led me to want to lead. Because I'm just like, we got to do this. We got to show these people what we've been doing the whole time wasn't outlaw. It wasn't criminal. It was just families growing a plant and sharing it with the world, sharing it with their neighbors, and, you know, making, making some bucks off of it too. You gotta get paid for the hard work you put in, you know? I always talk about cannabis culture and how it's uh, what's really going to magnetize the world to places like the Emerald Triangle. Yeah. Um, for those people who, it's another question I like to ask, for those folks who have never visited the Triangle, um, what, what do you want them to know about where you grew up? It's one of the most beautiful and amazing places on earth. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's really nothing like it. The redwood trees, the rivers, there's just rivers everywhere. It's like, you know, it's called Six Rivers. Six different rivers all running through Humboldt. There's more than that, actually, but those six main ones. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a, it's a cool place to come check out. Um, the hills is definitely where it's at. Get into the outskirts, get off the beaten path, go check some cool shit out. And, uh, you know, then there's this whole new emerging thing that I think cannabis tourism is going to be huge. We got killer fishing. Um, but the, the tourism aspect is looking at the places building up in Arcata right now. It's going to be dope in a year or two to just come and check it out because it didn't exist like on the scale of like Colorado where all everyone can just come and drop stuff and have it processed and turned into all these amazing products and it's a cool thing to see. So, Man, I was going to compliment you. That, that's dope, man. I'm glad you spoke on that because what they're really looking for is chronic like this. Yeah, this is the first buddy. joint to go out and it, dude, I, I want to relight it. Man, I don't know if you have a lighter, dude. Light this shit's up. chronic, man. <laughs> Could you talk about, honestly, the flowers speak for themselves, because the question I was going to ask you is what distinguishes Soham Royal from the competition? And the flowers are strong and loud, yeah. cerebral. Um, so if you could please answer that in the genetics that we're spoken. Yeah, you know, genetics are definitely a passion of mine. I'm, I'm definitely working with all the new school stuff, but um, I love keeping it classic and bringing in these old hitters like the Purple Trainwreck and um, just trading it up with our friends. and. The way we grow, you know, is different too. Like our dads taught us to mix amendments, get some of this, get some of this. Our moms too, you know, mix these packs up like this. And then we hike that out. And I think it is, does do something, you know, just having that innate knowledge of what plants need 
and being able to just fucking, you've done it for so long, you know, I'm like, oh, I need to mix in a little of this. Oh, it's looking like I'm mixing a little of this. You know, let's give these ladies a little foliar right here. So we definitely love the plants too, dude, and the culture and the, we play music while we work in our greenhouses and, you know, they respond to that. They respond to touch. Even touching your plants a lot is like a really good thing. Bucking some leaves, giving them a little stroke, making them stronger as you walk by, you know. That's fucking Without that's spreading awesome. diseases. <laughs> Say that again, please. Without spreading any diseases, because if you got like spider mites over here, you don't want to be gone and rubbing through your plants and all the other ones. But if you're doing the right things, you don't have that shit going on. So. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, man. Um, damn, that weed is so good. I got to commend you, man. It's the second time it's got me like spaced out real quick. You know Thank what I'm saying? Thank you, man. Yeah. Uh, so I'm taking it slow, too. <laughs> So Soham Royal, you guys love the plants. And the question that I was going to ask you is, in your opinion, what, what defines a good breeder, a good cannabis breeder? I think there's, you know, they, they make things that grow amazing plants is really, you know, but I think there are people who have the craft and they're, you know, taking things and being able to see what this plant mixed with this plant would do and then to stabilize that genetic and bring it to not just being a one-hit wonder, but something you can depend on from a seed, that is impressive when, you know, people can do that. It's, it's a craft. Um, I'm working on it, you know? It's challenging. So, but I think as long as you are, like, having fun crossing two plants together and then it makes another plant that's even more badass than those two, that's a fucking good breeder, whatever. You picked two plants that made a plant better than them. Sick, man. The, the essence of it. That, that's dope. And then I really want to jump into the event where we're at right now. Everyone, uh, How has your past uh, week been in uh, preparation for this event? Um, it's been crazy as fuck. We've been running around, jarring stuff up. The Redwood Roots crew has been putting it in hard. Literally, like, was jarring all night the night before we drove up. And then they left at, like, 5.30 in the morning, third in line to get in so we could set up this big badass booth and throw down, you know, bring the fire. People are lining up. Yeah, and, and I saw you selling, selling your flowers. Dude. Yeah. How has that experience been for you, man? Oh, I love doing that. Just sharing, you know, talking about what we've done and getting people stoked on it. What's been your best seller today? Um, so far, I'd say probably the Mac 1. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah the Tight. Mac 1. The bath bombs are killing it, too, though. They're really awesome, like 50 milligrams per bomb and smell amazing. Fill the bath with, like, floral flavors. You know, I'm thinking I probably should pick one up for my chick. That'd be cool. Yeah, dude, for but sure. Are you selling Ace of that flower that we're smoking? I got the Lucy Lavender, too. Dude, yep. that stuff is ridiculous, dude. <laughs> it is. So it's mainly Purple Trainwreck. Yup, it's the Purple Trainwreck, but the Forum Girl Scout cookie brought, like, that cookie feel to it. Made it a little heavier. It's intense. Yeah, uh -huh. man. What are you excited about for 2020 and so humble, man? Um, just bringing everything we've been doing, all the hard work, building the brand, bringing it all to market. Um, trying to get this RSO out and it's all for people with cancer and and all the really serious ailments that you know people are struggling with and Everything from like preventing Alzheimer's to you know chronic back injuries um, I actually just hooked this guy up with a free gram of some of the RSO that I make and he's like dude This shit's unlike anything else. He called me last night to tell me how bomb it was for him so yeah, just bringing all these products, you know, we're about to finally have a bunch of compliant products in the market and yeah, getting them in people's hands of people like you <laughs> and you. Thank yeah. you, man. 
And I always, I've always believed that the passion of guys like yourself really defines cannabis culture. And so, uh, what Thank in your you. opinion? Yeah. yeah, it's real, man. That's the love awesome, for the dude. plant, you know, no That's matter the up. obstacles, you go to great lengths and cliffside walks to do what you yeah. do for a living, man. So, in your opinion, what is the future of our culture? What, what would you like to see the future of our culture be? You know, I, I want the culture to keep true to its values and just to have those values be fully accepted and embraced, you know? Like, everyone be grateful for the fact that we have this plant. Knock down all the boundaries around federal fucking bullshit so that it can just travel freely between states. And, you know, that will solve a lot of problems for California with the oversaturation here and just spread spreading it out, you know? Get it in the hands of more people. And I think the culture will thrive. Wake, people can wake up a little bit with some weed. <laughs> hey, Sean, how, how does our audience get OD on Instagram? Uh, just look for Soham Royal, hashtag Soham Royal. Mm -hmm. Bro, I there. think I think we've had a good interview, man. Yeah, man. Uh, dude, that smoke is a real cup. deal. Yeah, man, no, I think I thank you for your time, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, we'll be back with another interview. Sean, Peace. it's been a pleasure, bro. Right on. Good show.